Blog Talk Radio.
Okay, everybody, welcome to Prayer International Radio. This is our Monday night broadcast. Um, December the something, I have no idea what day it is. Sometime in December, halfway, oh, December the 9th. Okay. So, um, where are we going to take this, God? So we have a couple um, scriptures and a general direction for the night. Um, I'm your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. You know, it says in Ephesians, <clears throat> Paul's praying and he says, <clears throat> says it eyes of your understanding might be flooded with light, the eyes of your heart flooded with light, that you would know what the hope of his calling is. What is the hope of his calling? It goes on to say the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. But sometimes before you can get to the exceeding power, <clears throat> excuse me, before you can get to the exceeding power, you have to take a minute and go back to the eyes of the heart being flooded with light that you would know what is the hope of your calling. You know, for many people starting out in Christianity, um, especially if you're one of those people who grew up in the church, um, you have this um, sense of the way things are supposed to be or should be or the way that you expected it, that it was going to be. Um, For example, when I was um, growing up, um, as a young child, I wasn't in the church because my parents didn't go to church except for on holidays. And then when I um, did start going to church and the Lord, um, by his grace and mercy, brought salvation to my life, um, I began going to church, as the saying is, religiously. Um, every time the door was open, I was there. Um, and it began with just wanting to know who this God was. I always had a sense there was a God growing up and I wanted to know him. I wanted to know everything about him. And, you know, growing up in church, there was always this big press and this big push toward mission work and world evangelism. They preached all the right messages. We sang all the right songs that would literally convince you that you were called to drop everything and get up and disappear to some faraway missions field. And so you go through, at least as far as I was concerned, you went through the first part of your Christian life assuming that you were called to great things, that it was your job in the kingdom of God to go out and save the entire world, and that out there there was millions upon millions of people dying and going to hell and it was your responsibility to go and preach the gospel to every single one of them. And for some people that that's that's true as far as going out 
but not preaching the gospel to every single person because no one person in the body of Christ can do that. You can come close, especially in today's technology with media and, te- and, their, and television. You can, even with something as simple as like the internet and blog talk radio, you can preach a message, write a blog, and have that word go out to countless millions. But no one person can literally be everywhere and preach the gospel to every single person. So immediately your whole thought that you had to get to every single person sort of diminishes a little bit, but it doesn't change the desire. You just begin to live in the reality of what's possible. And along those lines, something else starts happening as you start realizing that you're not in this on your own, that this isn't a solo mission with just you and God. Though throughout our lives, we learn that even our daily lives are are these walks we have with the Lord, where we share with the Lord our lives and we work with him in our daily lives to touch as many people as possible. But you find out that we're a body, that the church isn't just one person, it's countless millions, all who have called upon the name of the Lord and believed. Everybody has different giftings, everybody has different purposes. The Lord births different nations inside of different people. And so growing up in in the Lord and growing into maturity, you find, number one, that you're not alone. You can't do this alone. That it takes an entire body of believers to accomplish the work of the gospel in this earth. The second thing you find out is that you can't do it alone without the Lord. That as much as you strive and you run and you try as hard as possible, to do everything just right, to run that race with endurance, you find out that there's something that becomes lacking and that you have attempted to complete a work that he cre- that he began, but you sort of leave him out of the picture. And not that you forget about the Lord, but that you stop understanding how vital it is that every moment, every movement has him involved in it. He said in um, the book of John, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. He said, abide in me. And, you know, it's an interesting thought to abide in him. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. Um, Abiding in the Lord. You know, our lives as Christians revolve not just around our relationship with God, but it revolves around our relationship with each other. And it's this twofold cord that you have to come to understand. You know, um, there's many people who don't like going to church, and, you know, that's fine. Um, You don't have to go to church. But I'll say you need to go to church 
not for church itself, but for to be around a community of believers. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. You need to have people in your life that you can be accountable to, people that you can be accountable for, people who can be there in the good times and the bad times. And, you know, even Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, he never just said, okay, Thomas, you go over there, and Peter, you go over there by the ocean. He always sent them in, too. And sometimes, as Christians, we tend to forget that the model that he laid down for us, as far as other people in our lives, is important. And that's one of the very reasons. Lord, tonight, as your word says in Ephesians, and Father, I'm praying it over every single person listening tonight, Father, Lord, that they'd be strengthened in might by their spirits and their inner man, Father, strengthened with your presence, Father, Lord, that you would pour out your grace. On each and every person, Father. <clears throat> Lord, that the eyes of their hearts be flooded with light that they may know what is the hope of your calling, Father. Lord, that you would reveal to them <clears throat> their place in this world, Father. You declared that you had a plan and a purpose for our lives. You said that you know the thoughts you think of us, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give us a hope and to give us a future. You said in Jeremiah that before we were born, you knew us. Father, you said that you have inscribed our names on the palm of your hand. Father, and I ask tonight for every person listening, every believer, Lord, and those who are not yet believers, but those Father, who, whose hearts you're working on, Lord, that you would take their minds off of things of this earth, Father, things that are temporal, Lord, and place their minds in the heavenly realms, Father, that they could get a glimpse of their own lives, Father, through your eyes, Lord, that you would begin to shape and mold their hearts, transform them, Father so they would be like your heart, Lord. Father, that we'd see the world, that we'd see ourselves, we see our friends and our families, Lord, not the way the world sees them, Father, but by the way you see them. Your hand reached into the depths of darkness Pull me to the light above me. You spoke the word that broke my heart. Your burning with holy passion fire. 
Listen to what Jesus said. This is um, John chapter 17. Jesus praying for one of the last times on this earth before his crucifixion. When he knew that soon he would depart and go back to his father. This is what he said. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son 
may also glorify you. You know, the glory that God gives us should always reflect back to glorify Him. The anointing, the gifts, the talents, everything that He, through grace, has poured out by His Spirit into our lives should in return be used to glorify Him in this earth and throughout eternity. It says, as you have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. You know, I want to paint a picture for you in these next few verses. You know, it says all things in Colossians. It says all things were created through him and by him nothing was made that was made. Play that Colossians or John. And um but you have to imagine if you go outside and look at the expanse of heaven and earth, look at the universe itself and try to count the stars. As God told Abraham to do once, to look up in heaven and to even attempt to count the multitude of stars. And little did Abraham know from looking up and the stars he could see, um, the things that technology has shown us, that even beyond the stars we can see there's vast reaches of the universe that no human eye has ever beheld with the best telescope. The creation itself, not just Earth, not just our galaxy, our solar system, but countless planets and solar systems and galaxies spread out across a universe that is so vast that no mind except for his can comprehend it. And before all that was created and formed, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, existed with the Father. And through their relationship, through their love, the fruit of their relationship with the creation of everything that we know and the things that we don't yet know. He was in a state of glory that he set aside to come to earth because God could find no other man. And then coming to the last moments of his life here on earth, when he, not, when he knew that he had come to the end of the work which God had given, to, given him to do, and that he was to finish the work and then go back to his father, go back to the glory which he had before. He said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given them the words given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came from you, and they 
have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me. They may be one as we are. Going back to the fact that we're not in this alone, that we are, as it says in Ephesians, fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the house of God. He said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none was, of them was lost except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may, that, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray you should take them out of the world, that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may be sanctified in the truth. Oh, we come riding by. 
You are 